Welcome to another edition of the Scout Team Podcast. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and this is episode nine. And what we're going to do with this one, we're going to preview or give you my overview of the 2017 NFL Draft tight end class. I just finished grading the tight end group, and it's a lot of talent across the board as always but first you want to follow me on twitter at fball game plan and if you miss any one of our podcasts and want to find these podcasts again they're on itunes under the football game plan radio network they're also on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast and also on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash fbgp podcast with an s at the end and also follow the twitter account Football Game Plan Scouting at FBGP Scouting because, again, that's where we're going to put all of our scouting reports, uh, both video and also written scouting reports coming from Gene Clemens, Chris James, Teron Davenport, and other guys that are contributing to football game plan for this draft season. So, again, at FBGP Scouting, follow that Twitter handle. Also follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. And don't forget to check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Football Game Plan. Before we get into what I was able to gather from watching hours of film on, I sound like Ron Jaworski right there, just watching hours of film on this year's tight end class. Remember, we break down our tight end in, in three groups. We do it by uh, inline tight ends, guys that play with their hand in the dirt mostly. Uh, flex tight ends, guys that are used mostly as pseudo wide receivers. And H-backs, those guys that are kind of sort of the in-between between in-line and flex players. So that's how we break down the tight end group. But first, you look at now is this the season for the mock drafts. And when people are putting together mock drafts, you see sort of the same players getting talked about and put within these different mock drafts. And I like mock drafts. I think they're fun. I think they're creative, a great way just to play GM for the day or, or play GM for the particular article. But I think when you look at a mock draft, a lot of times I don't think people truly understand, let's say, how to build a team. You may see a glaring need on a football team and say, hey, this team may need a running back, which is great. Yes, some teams are just blatantly obvious that they need a running back. For instance, let's say a team like Oakland. I know they had a 1,000-yard rusher in Latavius Murray, but in my opinion, they can stand to use an upgrade, a guy that's a legit game-breaker in the backfield. So I would actually mock them a running back, or if anyone mocks a running back to Oakland, I wouldn't necessarily be upset about it because I think that's a good pick because that's something that they need. But I said all that to say this, that sometimes people don't understand uh, what's already on the roster. The answer to the question may be on the roster already. For instance, you look at a team, let's say, I want to say maybe two years ago, everyone wanted the Jets to draft a corner. But I kept saying, like, hey, this guy, Marcus Williams, is real good. Uh, came out of North Dakota State. He's a he's a really good corner. Just needs the opportunity to play. And lo and behold, he becomes the starter and continues to do what he did at North Dakota State, pick off passes, has done so very well in the NFL. You also look at a guy on that same roster in uh, – uh, the safety, Rontez Miles, was a very good player coming out of Cal PA, a Division II program in the PSAC. Very strong conference, top to bottom. There's another outstanding receiver in uh, Gary Brown that's coming out of the PSAC this year from Cal PA. So, And we also talked about Jordan Morgan out of Cutstown, PSAC player, uh, played at the Senior Bowl, played exceptionally well. So Rontez Miles was an undrafted free agent 
was sitting on the Jets practice squad for two years, but I kept saying that this is a guy that needs an opportunity to play. He becomes a starter for the Jets this past season and plays well. Now, yes, they can use an upgrade, but this is a guy that, again, was already on a roster and answered some questions that they were looking to answer already. So sometimes a team may already have the answer on the roster of a player that, that may be a, a need pick that you're giving them in a mock draft. So be sure to check the practice squad. Be sure to check guys that are coming off injury reserve. And quite honestly, be sure to check guys that are buried on a depth chart, maybe third or fourth team, or even guys that have been signed to futures contracts. So again, always look at the roster top to bottom before you mock a player um, to a particular team. And also you have the combine coming up at the end of the month. I know this mythical combine list is out. (laughs) Everyone announced the list, but there's nowhere to be found on NFL.com. So once the official list comes out, uh, then we'll know who's in, who's not going to be there. I think they invite almost 300 or so players or at 300, a little bit over. So it's going to be a bunch of guys that are going to be at the combine. It's a great opportunity for them. Uh, you know, the one chance you get to one of the, let's say few opportunities you get to be in front of all the GMs, all the scouts, you get to interview with teams. Uh, they get to see you go through workouts and, as much as I knock the workouts and the importance that's levied on the combine from an on-field perspective, I think the most important part takes place in the rooms that we don't get uh, the benefit of seeing or get the opportunity to see the interviews. Those are the most important. And the medicals are probably a little bit more important than the interview. So the combine is coming up once this list is, and if you are a player or a prospect that's not, Invited to the combine, I wouldn't be upset. I mean, you, you get guys that get drafted, guys that get signed to teams year after year that hadn't participated in the combine, just as you get guys that have gone to the combine and not have gotten drafted or just not, not panned out in the NFL. So if you don't get the invite, don't look at it as a knock on your skills or anything like that. It's just a numbers game with the NFL, as we've seen during the NFL draft. I mean, you only have, what, 265 spots? So – there's at least 700 very good football players out there right now uh, that are college seniors that have graduated that are looking to get their names called. And I know it's easy for me to say that, oh, if you, you just want to be on a team, make a team, yes, you do want to do that. But it's always good, especially when you're growing up playing football, you want to hear your name called, you want to hear the little chime come in when a tick, well, picks, a team's pick is in and you see your name flashing at you know, on the screen, and then they go to your highlights. I get it. I totally get it. But ultimately, you want to make a team. And I want to say a stat came out at the beginning of the 2016 season that there are more undrafted free agents on rosters than drafted guys in the NFL. So keep that in mind if you don't have an invite for the combine. Player interviews are always important, too. And we're going to get these prospect interviews rolling pretty soon. I know we have some big names lined up. Some good prospects I'm ready to talk to. And I know Teron Davenport has this Talking With TD podcast coming. He interviewed a bunch of guys last year and the year before that as well. So he's great with the interviews. He's one of the more in-depth interviewers I've come across. He does a great job, does his homework. Um, and I'll be joining the free as well, trying to live up to what the standard that he has set as an interviewer. So be on the lookout for these player interviews coming down the pike. And there's a ton of information being out there. And I know uh, Shady McCoy had some issues, some words he said about pro football focus. And there's some good people that work over there at PFF. So I'm not going to knock 
PFF for what they do, but everyone is is all you have. You know, I think a lot of people don't understand what PFF does and who they have working for them. I think people kind of look at maybe a few tweets and tend to attach PFF to that particular person, but it's a vast group of people that that does the grades, that does reports, um, and they do great work. They do the work that a lot of people don't do. So I'm not going to sit there and knock PFF for their grind and for their and how they have built themselves into um, a name, a known name in this marketplace. So they've done great work. It's unique work. I may not agree with some of the stuff that they come out with, but at least they're putting in the work to to put that out there, and they've created a very good uh, platform for themselves. So I said that because I, I see something that came across. Everybody wants to get into the analytics and. Uh, find unique stats and things of that nature, but you got to look at stats the right way. I have no problem with stats, and football is based upon stats, you know, as ad- advanced stats, or as they like to call it, you know, well, let's say we called it, you know, third down percentage, or what's the personnel groupings that they like to use, you know. Oh, we, so football purists tend to use stats, but then they don't even know that they use stats, and a lot of stuff that uh, they're knocking publicly, they already do it anyway. So, that's the irony of it all. But uh, Tony Khan, who is the owner, um, senior vice president of football technolo- technology analytics for the Jacksonville Jaguars, just threw out some stats today. And, you know, it's intriguing if you – but I, I like the numbers. I just don't like that the fact that the numbers don't tell the entire story. For instance, one thing he tweets out uh, – this was two days ago. Strong safeties – under six feet tall, started more games in 2016 than any other NFL season in the past 15 years. Nice number, right? And I think a lot of people may misinterpret that saying that, oh, well, we got to find strong safeties under six feet tall. Like maybe the NFL was thinking about it the wrong way uh, prior to last year, thinking that you had to be a certain height or a certain weight to play strong safety in the NFL. We've said this all the time. Size is not a skill. If you're a five eight guy that's doing what he has to do as a strong safety, then you can play strong safety in the NFL. Another tweet came out just about this time yesterday. In recent years, NFL teams have relied more on undrafted wide receivers. 2009, the undrafted wide receivers that took they took 9.7% of the wide receiver snaps. In 2016, that's up to 24.5. Maybe that's not relying on undrafted wide receivers. Maybe it's the fact that they've drafted guys higher that weren't good. And they they are starting to play the better guy. When probably in years past, the better guy has probably been the undrafted free agent. But because they drafted a guy high and paid him a lot of money, they're going to give him the uh the benefit of the doubt and try to hope that time will heal all his flaws and he'll get better. Let's say like a Hayward bait, you know, when probably they drafted a guy, probably the undrafted guy was better than he would be on the Oakland Raiders team, but they they paid him first round money. They drafted him top 15. They're going to play Hayward Bay until ultimately they have to be real with themselves and say, you know what? Maybe this guy isn't just that good. So, that's some of the misleading stats that he throws out, that he threw out there. And I just don't like people reading it the, the, the right way. Same with the undrafted free agent cornerbacks. He says uh, they relied more on undrafted corners. In 2012, undrafted corners took 12% of the snaps. 
Last year, it's up to 18%. Again, maybe they're just playing the better guy, and those guys have always been there. Teams are just now getting smarter. So those are some of the, the things that I've noticed today uh, in my brief time on, on Twitter, mock drafts, talking about the combine, some player interviews coming down the pike, and also Tony Khan's tweets. And, again, those numbers, you like to see that because I look at it as uh, on surface, on the surface that coaches are being smarter, Scouting departments are being smarter. Personnel decision makers are being smarter. Just play the best guy because we all have to keep our jobs. And if we're trying to live and die by this guy that we drafted in the first round who's not that good and and not play the guy that's better than him that we got basically for free, you know, then we're stupid. We're going to play the best guy so we could all be around here a uh, part of this organization. So while we're here, uh, I know you guys are always waiting for this. I know I sit a lot. That's 12 minutes of your time just taken away. It's some good info, but, you know, I know you guys are here because you want to hear what I thought about the tight end class. I'm not going to give you the whole full detail rankings person by person, but I will let you know, you know, who was the top overall graded player, who was the best inline player, the best flex player, and the best H-back, and some sleepers and some underrated prospects you want to keep an eye on that you heard here first. Uh, but the top overall graded player um, – for the tight ends, and that's including inline flex and H-backs, may surprise you. The top overall graded player for us was Jordan Leggett of Clemson. Now, he's a guy that can be an inline or a flex. And I've noticed that a lot this year, overview of the whole group of guys, that guys can play, some guys can play only inline, some guys can play only flex or only H-backs, some guys can be a combination of, of the three or just combination of the two. but So it's a real versatile group this year, um, but the top overall graded player for me was Jordan Leggett out of Clemson, 6'5", 260. And I, I thought this was a guy whose blocking is vastly underrated. You know, I, I think he's an effective blocker. Now, it may not look pretty, but it's effective. He gets the job done. And he gets it done more often than not. I think he's functionally strong. So he's going to move guys out the way, especially versus defensive ends and linebackers. Uh, and he's, you know, he's a guy that, that does a a great job on the move, you know, as far as blocking is concerned. I think he graded out higher than people would expect the best blocker, quote-unquote, would uh, in his draft class that have been said as the best blocker is O.J. Howard. But I think Leggett graded out on film. Just He just executed better. Again, it may not look pretty. It may not look like it's supposed to look, but it's effective. And he was able to hit that mark every time. And his receiving skills, to me, are unquestioned. I mean, you talk about a guy that can make any grab, uh, athletic to go and get the ball low, go up high and grab it, keep his feet in bounds. And he's made clutch catch after clutch catch, contested catch after contested catch, catching it in stride on the move. I think Leggett is the complete tight end. And I compared his game. To Greg Olson, I think Olson. When you look at dependability and what you're asking your tight end to do in this day and age of professional football, and how Olson has been excellent in virtually everything that he has done, I think Leggett has been the same way for the Clemson Tigers. And again, he slightly edged out the number two player, but he did earn the highest grade overall of all the tight ends in this group. Now he's obviously the best in-line tight end. Um, you know, he again, the blocking was which was very important to me uh, when I looked at these two players that I was grading, that deciding between who was number one, who was number two. 
and the film just did the talking. It was just that, like, it's blocking, you know, whether he was mostly lined up as an H-back, but you could see him as an, you could project him as an inline guy because everything was where it needed to be from a technical standpoint, and he just kept executing, so I couldn't ignore that. The top H-back, um, and that's the cross in between the flex guy and the inline guy, uh, you mo- mostly see him in a wing formation or wing uh, alignment, and that's Evan Ingram of Ole Miss, and he graded out pretty high as well, too, as far as that particular position is concerned. And, again, Ingram is a guy that I think hasn't been talked about a lot. You know, we've seen Ingram, you know, for a long time here in uh, football-wise, and I compare this game to Trey Burton of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he's just a very versatile guy that you can motion in the backfield, um, maybe even give him a handoff. He'll win one-on-one versus linebackers or safeties. He's a really good receiver, so he has, and he's he's what six three two twenty seven. So you can see he's he's probably a cross between Trey Burden and Aaron Hernandez, and and the type of versatility and athleticism that he has. So he graded out pretty high for me as the H back and was a top overall graded H back. Again, sometimes you see players play for a long time, for four years, and you tend to get tired of them to where you start to create <laughs> um, weaknesses. But he's been a solid, consistent player throughout the course of his career at Ole Miss. Top flex guy, which is your pseudo big wide receiver. Uh, And this was a tough one, but the reason why this person edged out the number two guy at this position was because of his blocking. And we've seen him do more blocking from a traditional standpoint than the guy that finished second. And that's David Njoku Njoku of Miami, 6'4", 245. To me, he's a big wide receiver. You know, he's the guy that, you know, uh, you look at, and like you look at a, I hate to say, from an athletic standpoint, you look at Martellus Bennett and how much of a problem he is when you flex him out wide. You could pretty much throw any type of pass his way. Or a Jimmy Graham. I think he has that same type of potential. And I compare this game, quite honestly, to Eric Ebron. I think he's that type of guy. If Ebron was to enter the draft today, I think we kind of know what type of player he is. I think a lot of people tend to over-project um, the move tight end or the athletic tight end that catches like a receiver when essentially that's what he is and not a, a, a traditional tight end in a sense. But that's why I, I gave Joku. I think he, because of his blocking and because he has that on film, we've seen him execute that even more. So, so you will be asked to block sometimes. And I think in this case, he graded out as the better blocker of the two prospects. So that's the best Inline flex and H back that I've gathered from watching film, and again, I, it, there's nothing that really surprises me because you got to watch a lot of film to to really get these prospects. I don't know how some of these guys, uh, great players, if they're constantly tweeting or, or Facebook living or whatever, you you can't. Uh, it takes. I I am like zoned in on these on this film before I give a grade. I, I and mean, some guys be having grades and. Still trying to figure out who what they what they're gonna rate a guy like Leggett. When you've seen like Leggett is the easy one. It's if you're doing real scouting work, you're gonna dig deep. And that's why we have found some sleepers and you know, some guys that are underrated. I think one underrated player in this class that, that's really good and graded out well on film is Cole Hillocatini from Louisville. Another one of these tight ends that um you look at and you're like, man, he's just very good. He's a smooth route runner. Uh catching the football is easy for him. It's not like he's, you know, terribly surprised by the football and uh, 
just a solid route runner as well. I mean, I think he's a, a good football player, and he, he was one of those guys that you saw constantly and was like, you know what, he's going to be a, a solid flex guy or H-back or he is one of those those versatile players that we talk about that, you know, you're going you're gonna to bring up his name uh, as one of those those good receiving options. And I compared his game to James O'Shaughnessy of the Kansas City Chiefs, you know. Um, he's a flex guy, but I think his game is being vastly underrated, uh, as is uh, another prospect that I'm not going to mention. I was, I was about to give you guys a little bit more, but I'm going to hold that under the hat. But some sleepers. One sleeper in particular is a guy I tweeted out earlier from Buffalo, and that's Mason Shrek, um, 6'5", 255. And I think Buffalo has, Buffalo has a sleeper running back as well. Last year they had a um, another tight end, I believe, or, or they, had a, they had another player last year that was another sleeper. They've been quietly producing some really good football players over the last uh, couple of seasons. So, uh, Mason Shrek is a really good tight end, man. And, I mean, you want to talk about a Brent Selleck type prospect? Check his film out. I think that's one that's that's being slept on right now. And a, an H-back guy from a small school, I'll give you another little tidbit here. Uh, flex guy, I'm sorry. One that's one of those big wide receivers that could also serve as a pseudo H-back or maybe even an F if you go back to our receiver rankings is John Dudley of Greenville College. Um, now, he played receiver at Greenville College, but you can clearly see he's an H-back or, or F wide receiver, kind of like Noah Brown of Ohio State, um, that sort of build. But he's one guy that you definitely want to keep an eye on. I think he has some natural receiving skills, obviously playing receiver four years in college. Now he's going to transition probably inside more of an H-back type, a flex tight end type. But he has that skills to, if he was winning outside versus receivers, and again, you look at the level of competition, but he was still out there doing his thing against corners and safeties and was still able to win those battles. I think he could be able to win those battles versus linebackers and some strong safeties as well. So those are my top overall uh, picks for inline flex H-backs, uh, uh, sleeper prospects that you want to keep an eye on, underrated prospect. Overall, this is a really good group of tight ends, and and whether you break it down by flex tight, you know, if you just have it all listed as one tight end or flex H back or in line, this is a real group of player group of players we have in this year's draft class. Um, I can't wait to start pumping out these videos because I know you guys are going to be excited about that. You're going, hopefully, you're going to like those. But this is a group of, of players. If you need some more firepower to your offense. Your passing game is whack and needs a little bit more uh, oomph to it. I mean, this is a good group to grab some guys. What I also noticed was that there's not a lot of flex tight ends in this year's group. You know, there's a lot of guys that can play a lot of different spots, but there were more inline guys and more H-backs than there were flex tight ends. So th that was interesting because last year, I believe, we had a good bit. The last two years, we had a good bit of flex tight ends. Um but now we have more H-backs, and uh, we also have more um, inline guys. So I, th I thought that was fairly interesting as well. So it's a good group here. We, we graded, I want to say, 25 tight ends. Two more were um, waiting to finalize. So uh, we got two more guys left. But 
overall, this group has done. I already know their grades. They're just waiting for, like, official height and weight uh, to add to the list. But those grades are final as well. And, again, they're either an H-back and also uh, in-line guys. So it's amazing how that works out. But that's it for this tight ends group. Tomorrow I will start the offensive line. I probably will start with centers, then work my way to guards, and then tackles. So I should be done with offensive linemen. What's today? Monday. I would say by Thursday, done with offensive line, starting defensive line on Friday, uh, and work defensive line Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, be done with that. So that's the schedule coming up. That's what we have coming down the pike. Again, quarterback, running back, and receiver have all been graded. Um, you can listen to that podcast on iTunes at footballgameplan.com slash podcast, soundcloud.com slash FBGP podcast. Um, and you can also find it on our Facebook fan page, and we tweeted it out as well. So that's it for this episode of Scout Team. I will be back in probably four days breaking down the offensive line class.